Welcome to Hash It Out Podcast. In the honor of the Mental Health Awareness Month, we will be discussing mental health among college students. Factors, inflation impact, call for cultural change, treatment of mental health system and individuals in the system. This episode will contain content that may be alarming to some listeners. So feel free to step away and take a moment for yourself. Hello everyone, I'm Medha, back at it again. As you know, I'm a computer science senior and a second year hash it out scholar. I'm beyond excited to be back at the recording. I truly enjoyed our last episode. If you haven't checked it out, please do so. Today, I'm joined by my co-host Mo. How are you today? Hi, Mera. Thank you for that introduction. My name is Mo. As you probably know from the first episode, I'm a first year hash it out scholar and I've been absolutely loving it so far. I'm definitely going to be here next year, so don't get sick of me yet. <laughs> how how was your, you said you had a lot of exams, so how was your Yeah, so I had a lot of exams and honestly, I failed my physio exam. So I've been trying not to let it get to me, mm-hmm. but honestly, it's, it's hard because yeah. I kind of, Academic validation, like when I succeed in school, I'm happier. You know what I mean? Yes. So now that I failed that exam, it's like, oh, what do I do? But I'm trying hard not to let it get to me. So, you know, I'm just going to work hard for the next one and, you know, try to pass it. <laughs> you know, that was one of the struggles because like back home, marks and competition is just so up to mark that like getting these marks is like some sort of a validation and art self-worth. And it took me like a lot of time to not let that like, oh, st- I mean, I'm still, I haven't gotten over it. Like, if I get a bad grade, I'm mm. just going to cry myself to sleep. Like, that's going to yeah. happen. But it's so strange because throughout the school, we have these systems to put a pat on our back sort of thing. Our yeah. parents do so on. And then we come to college. And like, you know, like when I get an A+, plus, no one's patting my back. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, know. <laughs> it's, it's kind of adult life. So, like, that idea of, like, self-worth, that idea of that self, like, that validation that you get from society it's no longer there and it kind of it yeah it gives me that imbalance speaking of which which kind of dives up into our topic for today which is mental health among college students so as you know i know for we have been in college for so good amount of time that college brings a significant change um would be sort of an understatement whether you stay at or close to home or move away to a four-year university college years are often a time of new experiences unfamiliar responsibilities growing pains and learning curves there can also be a time when some students must navigate their own physical and mental health for the first time without any personal support yeah, and I remember when I was reading a survey, it said um, approximately 50% of college students are leaving with mental health disorders. Honestly, I was flabbergasted. I was like, half of the population has mental health disorders. It kind of made me like upset because it's like, oh my God, like how, what are we doing? Why is it so high, you know? And it's like, I feel like this, a lot of this stems from like the amount of course load a college student has. Like right now I'm taking 18 credit hours. I know some people will take like 16, 20, you know, over the, you know, recommended amount of credit hours. And it's like also trying to maintain a social life. That could also be exhausting, especially for, because I'm a mentor for freshmen or incoming freshmen who are now freshmen. And they talk to me a lot about how transitioning to, to college has been like hard and like taking a toll on their mental health because mm-hmm. it's so different from 
from high school that it's just trying to balance it all can just be so exhausting, you know. And the concerns we as college students have about inflation, mass students do not help with this either. Trying to think about what inflation is doing, inflation is doing to us and mass shootings reading in the news can also make it, you know, really hard to try to focus in school and focus on our mental health. We worry about a lot of different things that just does nothing but bring us stress. And this is what leads, I believe, what leads a lot of students to, you know, drink or over drink or go to parties a lot and then like indulge in hard drugs that you're not supposed to. And all, all because the stress of college is just too much to handle, you know, and like all we want to do is find a way to, you know, release ourselves of that stress that comes with the college expectation and like trying to maintain a good mental health. Yeah, yeah. No, that does. That makes, you know, when you when we talk about like the idea of college or like you talked about how you were O team, like the first year seminar mentor mm-hmm. and the transition, that's like we have these programs in place where you have a mentor to navigate you through um, the transition of college. But like, Nobody really sits down with you. And I guess that's, I don't know if I just want to put it on the bracket of, oh, that's just life, you know, like you don't really get to learn or understand things until like you experience them. But these are kind of like some serious things, you know, like college education is so much different than school education. Even your like your relations with your professors versus your teachers, you know, or just the surrounding that you're in, you know, you have to be responsible for yourself and what if people like are not ready because I came here as an international student I did not even know what IUPR looked like the idea of living in a completely different culture with people who don't even know my mother tongue or I didn't even know if there were you know Indian festivals that are celebrated over here and it wasn't until like I knew what kind of research programs I wanted to get into so there was sort of I'm the kind of person where I was getting homesick a lot during the first semester. So I was just finding like loads of work on campus where I would work so much that I don't have to worry about missing home or even think about these things. I just go back home, eat and sleep. Like I'm so tired. And that used to be my kind of end game. But then I realized like, it's not solving anything. I'm just suppressing my feelings, you know? Yeah. And that also, like, makes me think about, like, I, I was reading this survey by Healthy Minds Network where they were talking about how approximately 20 young adults are enrolled in U.S. Um, post-secondary education and in the past decade the mental health symptoms have nearly doubled in college student populations where mental health problems during college are predictive of like low academic success and the depression is associated with like a twofold increase in the risk of dropping out or stopping out of the college without graduating which makes sense because you know when you have these when you have sort of Um, mental health issues or even the aspect you kind of do question your motivational theory like why are you here and I feel like as human beings we set these goals in terms of what purpose we have but you know what if like we don't have that purpose like what does life look without an ambition what does like life look without a purpose like it's so it's it's like so driving into different roads and dodgy paths yeah and honestly i the fact that you mentioned about dropping out, you know, like thinking about dropping out of college and just trying to, I feel like it's also a way to kind of like relieve that stress. Because when you think, oh, if I drop out of college, I don't have to worry about the college things I have to do because I'm no longer in college. Yeah. And I read a lot of like studies and surveys about this that I also saw that uh, 37%, approximately 37% of college students tend to use um, 
extensively used illegal drugs or abused alcohol. And this article also stated that while substance abuse and mental health disorders are not directly caused by one another, drugs and alcohol are often used to self-medicate and ease the symptoms of undiagnosed mental health issues. I feel like a lot of like sometimes people don't know they're facing like these certain type of mental health like depression or bipolar disorders and they just they just blame it on the stress of college, honestly. Like, we're just like, oh, it's probably just college. It's probably because of the course load I have to take. Or it's this, is that making excuses and then using drugs or using alcohol, just trying to just to suppress or make them feel like they're enough or make them feel like they're not really, you know, battling with this mental health disorder, like depression or something. And I feel like college students just gravitate towards alcohol because it's easily accessible. Like there are parties every weekend. You go to parties, you see alcohol because it's a call. It's a college party. And when you go to a party, it's you see alcohol, you see people who's using alcohol. And this could also help. Like peer pressure is also real. Like, oh, hey, bro, you trying to, you know, you want to take a shot? It's like, ah, uh, nah, I'm okay. But then the peer pressure gets a lot that you, then you start to use it, you know? And, like, these college parties, it's enough for someone to just, to just lose themselves because alcohol is abundant. You never see there's no, like, alcohol. There's always alcohol. And when they, when they, when college students use that, they're, they tend to think, oh, if, I can suppress my feelings by just drowning in alcohol or drugs. Like, what's the use of trying to find resources to help with their mental, with what with what they got going on? If I can just keep drinking alcohol, I don't have to think about what, what college is doing to me or what I have going on that I can just, you know, I don't need to find, I don't need to get help. I don't need to gain help. I don't, I don't need help because alcohol is doing the help for me. And that's, that's the problem. Like, college students... They, there are not enough resources available for college students that they find other ways to cope with how they're feeling. Yeah, no, that does make sense. You know, when when you talk about like when we talk about drugs and alcohol, I always perceive them as sort of something that they do to overcome what they feel. Like it's it's not the cause; it's more of the effect. Mm-hmm. Like that is sounds. It I perceive it more of as an effect of the issue at hand. But some of the factors that are when I was researching or when I came across was one of the things that was quite interesting, which we will go on a bit further on, was like the idea of that this is sort of an age of anxiety and depression. Like I was reading this um book by Alan Watts which is called Wisdom of Insecurity and you know like it's so interesting like it it is the age that we live in like I'm far more anxious than my parents were at my age and I I don't know like I try to understand and I was looking into like social media plays into it just the way they're trying to make you know the algorithms like they want you to keep staying over here in terms of they want you to scroll more down their app, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Instagram Reels. Like mm-hmm. They have social engineers to do that, to make sure that you stick to the product for a minute more or two minutes than you normally do. And that kind of makes me wonder, like, is it, do we have low self-esteem, this generation? Is the is social media really the force of behind all of this? Or the financial resources is one of them because student debt is really high in terms of people trying to pay their debt or 
getting scholarships, trying to afford college because college is so expensive. And it's not just the tuition or the education, it's the aspect of housing, it's the aspect of, let's say you're driving a car, the fuel, like inflation, the gas prices were ridiculous and are still ridiculous. Like the idea of how long are you going to like keep doing this is something that kind of makes me wonder that I I just like try to evaluate all the factors behind it like the confusion the loss of any like grand narrative like what do you want to do after 4 years or what where you want to go within this these 4 years it it kind of like the sense of oh I don't belong here anymore and I don't know what I'm doing or what I should be doing with my life or I don't know what the right things are you know that lack of like moral decision making that comes into play like that is it's like a whole shift in like mindset because yeah. there is because so far you know whether it's high school we are always had like our parents to guide us but it's really like are we keep and then again the other question are parents always right you know like what if what if some there are some kids who don't like some of the parents are like the i have seen examples where parents are not supportive of their kids and they don't they're not healthy for their kids so it's it's kind of I know it's like covering a lot but it's also the aspect of like a troubled and an ineffective ineffective healthcare system like for example I learned that whenever a person or a police comes across someone who might be suicidal or might um attempt suicide the first thing one of the first things that they do is they handcuff these people and I don't know how right that is you know like the, the, it it kind of i do understand the logic behind it because you want to make sure they don't have any weapons on themselves but they can attack them or they can attack themselves sort of but it's just it like do we really need to handcuff people who are wanting to kill themselves like do we have any better ways where we can i don't know psychologically try to understand what they have to say emotionally try to understand them on an emotional level um honestly this is my first time hearing that uh like people with suicidal thoughts are handcuffed and it's honestly mind-boggling like i i guess i do see like how why or why they would do something like handcuff like someone was suicidal i guess to protect themselves and also pr- to protect the officers but um that's not something that personally i would do cuz i think now they're probably they're handcuffed yeah and they're looking it's like that's not helping them. I don't see how that helps them, you know, per- to prevent their suicidal thoughts. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like how is handcuffing someone just because they have suicidal thoughts? How does that prevent them for from trying to hurt themselves? Yeah. Like if someone is truly suicidal, I'm pretty sure they're going to find a way to still, you know, you know, try to like, you know, do bad things to himself you know you know yeah yeah no that does make sense it's you know like i was basically cuz this was when you talked about the drugs it reminded me of i, I watched this ted talk of uh, his first name is jonathan i'll i'll put like more description in the uh, our description below i'll put out the link for the ted talk but i was basically reading his when you talked about drugs or the idea of like the addiction of drugs or use of drugs whenever these issues come up so 
he talked about he did a research on portugal's decision on legalizing all the drugs so portugal went under in 1990s it went under a huge opioid addiction like huge where they had majority of the their countrymen basically consuming op- opioid smoking opioid and so on so it was a huge problem so what the government did is like the government was like we need to solve some of this issue so they appointed scientists and um they appointed like a panel of scientists and there was another scientist in i think uk who was in that ted talk he was basically talking about how the scientist ended up doing an experiment so he had a rat in a cage and he gave the rat two options a normal water and a drug water and the rat ended up picking the drug water when the rat was alone in a cage by itself but then he took the same rat put them built a rat park for him so basically loads of cheese loads of friends to hang out with a uh, like park to go to a lot of activities to do and then he had two options outside that park which is a drug water and normal water and all of the rats ended up putting out ended up consuming or taking the normal water away not the drug water at all even the rat who was when singly caged in in one cage by itself pick the drug water even seem to pick the normal water when i was surrounded by in the rat park itself and that kind of makes me wonder like when it even comes to mental health issues or even the consumption of drugs it's what is the solution for this is the solution for addiction or is the solution for mental health isolation is it rehab centers is it handcuffing these people or is it actually community and sense of belonging and trying to get them back into the people mindset of hey you do have people with you you have people to support you and you have people who can hear you and value your existence even if you think it's not worth it right now so it's like that split you know and the oddest part was after legalizing opioid because they have they had healthcare workers where someone could call in whoever was let's say facing some issue on the street and someone could call in and basically they they used to have healthcare workers go to people on the streets treat them make sure that they're okay so the stigma reduced and oddly when i was looking at the research that they did portugal reduced its consumption of opioid by 63% after legalizing it and that was one of the most strange things i've ever heard of because it's normally like punish people for doing something wrong and so on so it it kind of makes me wonder like how all of this is happening yeah that's honestly crazy like you would think uh when now is that now that's legalized um a lot of people will now abuse the use of drugs but in Portugal if it was reduced significantly i'm trying to understand that is there like some type of like scientific something like behind that that just going to that, that explains why um it's you know the use of drugs was so significantly in- increased did you read anything in the like when you were maybe doing your research that said anything about that or I think it was the whole idea of destigmatizing it the and providing support and a sense of belonging because you know even after they legalized it they had healthcare workers who could go up to these people and take care of them make sure that they're okay and so on so it was like the idea of like you know dest first of all destigmatizing it because there was a lot of stigma that went around it and the whole the main effort was to reduce HIV rates in the country which did happen after that so i think it was more of help like destigmatizing it spreading more awareness about it then third point was basically providing enough support for these people i think all of these factors kind of contributed to making that happen 
Yeah, I think I think definitely I understand now because having a good support system does a lot for like people like you know knowing you have people in your corner who's going to be there for you regardless of what happens and who wants the best for you and who wishes like you come out on top of whatever you're dealing with i feel like yeah like support system definitely goes a long way like so no like i said support system because i like personally in my experience you know i have my parents here with like with me when we came to the u.s and always knowing that i have them to fall back on even if things i plan for myself don't go as planned you know i always know they're always still gonna be there to still cheer me on and not you know bring me down or like feel disappointed in me per se you know because they're my support system and i feel like everyone deserves to have that support system regardless of what they're facing like they should have their own people in their corner that they can go to when they feel a certain type of way or when they feel like everything has become a little too much for them to handle you know the study published by the journal of affective disorders found that in 2020 and 2021 more than 60 percent of students met the criteria for one or more mental health problems a nearly 50% increase from 2013 they found that the mental health worsened among all racial ethnic groups over the study period for each group the results reveal decreased levels of flourishing and increased prevalence of depression anxiety disorders and suicidal ideation over the time for non suicidal self injury and symptoms of eating disorders prevalence increased most significantly for white students for other all other prevalence outcomes symptoms of depression anxiety suicidal ideation and one or more mental health problems the prevalence increased most significantly among the racial ethnic minorities students specifically american indian slash or native students expressed that the most significant decreases in any groups flourishing and the largest increase in depression anxiety suicidal ideation and meeting criteria for one or more mental health problems from 2013 to 2021 so all, so basically the whole idea behind this was essentially that the prevalence for any non suicidal self injury was higher for white students but whereas for all the other symptoms it was pretty high in students of color so that makes me wonder like even when we're talking about sort of how mental health affects different populations or different um ethnic groups like for example you like both of us are people of color you know and coming from a society where mental health is not really a thing like my father thinks mental health is just like a mood that you have to get over like i remember when i told my dad my dad was like oh just go take a walk go take a run like have a healthy lifestyle and that's how everything is going to get solved like i'm like i wish you know i wish it was that easy mm-hmm. but yeah i come from a family that doesn't really believe mental health exists so it's kind of yeah it makes me question like why why is this the way it is yeah you know that's crazy cuz my nigerian mother would also say oh don't say that uh go pray about it uh take a walk you know it's like they refuse to acknowledge that mental health is actually like something that's real and not just something that's made up in a person's mind like my mom would say oh don't curse for yourself like that pray about it pray to god about it like um just take a walk like you're being dramatic or something i think now though she's open like she i think she's I'm 
we're me and my siblings we're educating her on the fact that mental health is not a joke like it's something real you know and it's not just something that's oh magic a prayer would magically you know just make it stop and this also brings me to my point about like you know a lot of colleges here and post-secondary schools are becoming a lot more diverse however that doesn't change the fact that a lot of colleges are also predominantly white and because of this, I think underrepresented students like, you know, people of color, black people, Asian people, Indian people, Hispanics have it harder to talk about mental issues they're facing. While already undergoing the challenges of all college students experience, for example, transitioning to a more independent life, managing classes and social pressures and various other things. Additionally, underrepresented students also contend with the biases from their peers, professors and administrators. Also, a lot of people of color feel that what is called is an imposter syndrome, feeling like they don't belong there anymore. And I, I'm glad you met, you bring up that point because as a black girl myself, I have felt like an imposter before, you know, like sometimes I'm in a class and I just see just a room full of white people or people that there's not a lot of people of color in it. And because of this, I involved myself with organizations on campus like the Social Justice Scholars. Like when I heard about it last year, I was like, this is definitely a group that I want to be a part of because I want to feel like I belong. I read in an article that black students also experience mental health treatment barriers thanks to the unique history of oppression, societal expectations, cultural norms and costs. This also combines with the long history of dehumanization and other forms of oppression and violence have turned into a systematic and casual racism, and this can result in daily trauma. Whether the individual affected is always conscious of the trauma at the moment. I think it's hard for a person of color to step forward and seek out the mental health services that they need without having the feeling that they're going to be judged about it because you know it's like oh damn they're not going to listen to what i have to say because of my color or that's the kind of thinking a lot of people have like when they when they want to you know they want to seek out professional help but it's like are they going to believe me like you having second thoughts of how they're going to treat you because you know you're not someone of white like you're not white you're you're a person of color yeah, yeah. No, I think every, I think like sometimes, yeah, when we talk about people of color and the mental health issues, it's also, you know, what kind of situations that we end up in, like, for example, in computer science, like we barely have any women in my classes. And it sometimes becomes like, like, I remember being like one of the only cl- girls in the class. And it's hard to express sometimes because it's probably in my head or I don't know if it's just like, I've had support system within the CS department. So I'm very grateful for that. But it's also, you know, how many women in STEM haven't got that support or how many, like, even underrepresented communities, irrespective whether it's the race, ethnicity, or the gender itself. Um, I, you know, talking about, like, the impact of inflation on mental health, it's, let's try to understand what inflation is in the first place. So the International Monetary Fund defines inflation as the rate of increase in prices over a given period. Inflation can be considered a broad determination of many goods and services or only specific ones. So there was there's a licensed mental health professional. I was reading her statement where she was talking about stress around expenses coupled with like the mysterious nature many people feel around inflation. You know, most people don't know why it happens, how to stop it or how fast it will rise. This makes it difficult to plan for future or save money for the future purchase like college or home. 
in hyperinflation, the value of money drops so quickly that people start withdrawing from their bank accounts and buying goods to sell later because they are afraid their savings will become worthless. That leads to increased instability, anxiety, cynicism and loss of trust in the government itself. Yeah, honestly, and this, I remember... Um I was, uh, I think I was going to McDonald's, you know, broke college students. I just, I could only afford McDonald's at the time. And I was passing by a gas station and I saw that grass, gas prices went up yet again. And this, this was just mind boggling to me. This was the reason why I did not want to bring my car on campus. Cause I knew like, I, I wasn't sure how gas prices was going to be. And I did not have the, you know, the finances to just keep buying gas worth of fifty dollars every every week. And this also combined with grocery prices keep going up and adding this to the cost of rent, school stuff school supplies and tuition, this can just this this could take a toll on take a toll on somebody. And we're not we're also gonna add the fact that um college students also wanna maintain a social life, like going out with friends, going to the movies, you know, trying to buy clothes, like, you know, it's getting colder now, you're trying to get more coats. And this trying to pay for stuff like gas and groceries even with the prices so high. It's like and also trying to you know buy stuff that you want for yourself can make as as stressful you know it makes someone think that oh wow I don't have the money for this inflation keeps going on like it's not reducing and like and like like I said it makes it really hard for someone to you know try to find the money to you know to afford college yeah yeah like you know yeah i completely agree the insufficient income improper improper nutrition and inadequate housing can add unnecessary stress to a college student's life like college tuition has been rising faster than inflation and financial aid is not enough for many students to cover the hefty price tag even with work study jobs student may struggle to earn enough money to afford their tuition let alone necessities such as food and housing inevitably these stresses can negatively impact students mental health and well-being student debt is a significant problem and has increased student stress levels when financial aid falls short in covering the cost of college students are forced to take on substantial loans to pay for their education yeah, and we're also going to talk about people who do not receive financial aid at all. I know a couple people who, like, have to find money to pay for their tuition because the government says their parents earn too much. And quite frankly, I don't understand how that works because they now have to struggle to find the means to pay for the tuition. Even, if, even though the government says, oh, your parents earn too much I can't offer you any financial aid. It's like now this also affects their mental health because now they're thinking of how to pay for, might I say, thousands of college because college is not cheap. And trying to find that money magically because, you know, your parents earn too much, even if your parents can't even afford to pay for your tuition, that that's enough to affect someone's men mental health. And now they want to work. They wanna, they're trying to find a good paying job. And maybe maybe they don't want to work on, on campus and on campus don't pay on campus jobs don't pay enough for, you know, they don't pay enough to students. Now they want to, you know, pick up extra shifts to make up for that, you know, for the, 
the low income they they receive, and that could also affect their their academics. They could make their GPA go down because now they're working too much. They don't have time to study for the exams. And now this this also affects their mental health because now they don't only have to think about the money to pay for tuition. Now they have to think about how to get their grades up in school. Yeah, no, that that makes complete sense. I know, like when I was trying to re understand this, it was like not just a pandemic problem. Like university policies to address and eliminate racial discrimination on campus and in healthcare settings can also reduce the mental health risk factors that many students of color experience. So. One hypothesis that I was reading on the internet has gotten a lot of traction is that nearly every teen using a smartphone these days, like the digital media, has taken or must take some sort of a blame for worsening mental health. But some researchers argue that this this hypothesis isn't well supported by the existing evidence, and it repeats a moral panic argument made many times about whether it's rap lyrics, whether it's video games, television, and even radio back in its early days. So what do you think? Do you think that social media has a role to play in all of this or it goes beyond that? That is not just a pandemic, but there are other ventures to this argument. I definitely think social media is a factor that plays with, you know, what's mental health. I don't think it's only social media that has, you know, mm-hmm. the the key factor but it's definitely one of it because social like <laughs> this just reminds me of the first episode where we're talking about social media and how that has to that affects like you know beauty and stuff i think that also affects mental health because going think going back to the first episode where we're talking about beauty and how that you know affects you that's something that's going to affect a person mentally as well you know yeah. if you're on social media and you're just you see stuff repeatedly social media is a never-ending cycle honestly you're on instagram you're on tiktok you see a lot of things that just they all work together to just kind of make you feel bad about yourself and that's that's enough to you know just have worsen someone's mental health you know worsen yeah. make them feel like they're not enough have them make them feel like they're Make them think of suicidal. Make them think of. Make them have suicidal thoughts. That's that's that. And a lot of people don't have the access to mental health care because it's healthcare is expensive. Not yes. a lot of colleges is, has the resources to help for to help cater to people with mental health. Like we're lucky to have camps caps on campus that you know actually wants us to have good mental health, but not. A lot of colleges are able to say, oh, yeah, you can go here when you feel like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. That that reminds me of like getting help on campus. So GAPS, in collaboration with like the health and wellness program uh, promotion, developed like a four session peer support training that was originally provided to student leaders in the Department of Athletics. But this model has been adopted by School of Medicine and Dentistry. So we have GAPS where the first six sessions are free for you and you can, it's located on near the Walker Theatre and you can happily I'll, I'll put out the information in the description below but if you ever have any issues or whether it's you need mental health counselling CAPS is the best place to go to on campus in case if they are over loaded with a lot of students and you're you're on a good amount of like wait list to get on there what you can do that we have another resource which is the clinical psychology mental health center it's an ld building in 161 um it's basically 
it's like an in-house training clinic for clinical psychology and uh, they serve IUPR students for any mental health counseling and it's by PhD students as well as licensed clinical psychologists you can get help services which would be in visual therapy like depression anxiety any sleep problems like life transitions even they have assessments for ADHD and learning disorders again the first six sessions are therapy sessions are free beyond six sessions they charge like 10 bucks per session and the assessments are about like from 300 to 600 dollars i know it's expensive but uh, students can apply for a free reduction so that's also one thing and then we also have jack care which is available to provide immediate and short-term support to meet emotional as well as psychological needs of those in the IUPUI community. Um, the goal is to stabilize and reduce like post-trauma trauma symptoms by providing support, information, and resources. So that's that's all the resources you can access. I'll have more more information and links down in the description so you can check them out. Mo, do you have anything else to say? No, just that I'm just glad we have these resources on campus to help with mental health and stuff. So. Please feel free to utilize these resources. Click the link in, bo- in the description box and just pay them a visit and just try talk to somebody. Like, you know, you're not alone. We have resources here to help. Well, do you have anything else to add? Because I think that's all we have for today. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for today. And don't forget to tune in to our previous and the future episodes that we have coming out. Thank you for joining us. And I hope you have a great day.